Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. It's time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It's Monday, December 14th, 2020. So good to have you here with us. Hey, people ask me, who is that guy that does the opening recording? And they go, is he from Canada by chance? Yes, that is our beloved Paul King. Did a great job, don't you think? He does that regularly. But we thank you for all of those who have contributed so much. And our newest contributor on the behind the scenes is Nikki Whitaker. She does a great job. If you're looking for someone to edit your podcast, get a hold of Nikki. She does a great, great, great job. So anyway, so pleased to have you with us. This podcast is created by Mortgage Professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. And we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format you can listen to anytime and anywhere. And we really appreciate when you share this podcast with your peers, with others in your company or within your network. It is how we've grown to the size we have. So we are successful and it's because you are our listeners. Thank you. Our hot topic today is an episode that we pre-recorded with Ted Kramer, who's founder, owner, and president of Innovian. We're going to be talking about the capital markets and we're talking about the complexity in pricing and every loan originator should hear this. Every C-suite executive should hear this because I think typically because secondary marketing people are more analytical, they are quiet. They don't do enough to blow their horn. And I think you're going to really enjoy the interview that we pre-recorded. He was so dubious that we wanted to pre-record it, make sure he could listen to it and approve it in advance. And so it's a good interview and you're not going to want to miss that later in the hot topic segment. Pleased to be a part of the industry syndicate. Check out industrysyndicate.com. Lots of podcasts there related to the industry that you can listen to as well as mortgagemedia.com. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Love the Marina Walsh interview that we did back in September about cost origination. Interesting, we're going to get Mike Frantoni on as we get ready to go into the new year. I have him talk about his projections. You know, is this going to be a a $4 trillion origination year. We'll have to see where these numbers for 2020 come in at. A lot of optimism about the new year. Thank you for all our friends and all that the NBA does for our industry. Also, Finastra. They have a new survey out. We're going to be scheduling an interview with several of the execs at Finastra talking about that survey. We mentioned it a while back when we had them on August 24th. We had Steve Hoke on. I got a preview to it, but very interesting. We're sharing that. The money between Christmas and New Year's. Also, Lenders One. Check them out as well as the Mortgage Collaborative. Both of these co-ops do a great job of bringing lenders and vendors together and create collaborative efforts on looking at what's 
the best practices are the various industries. So if you're looking to get a part of an intimate group, get a hold of either Lenders One or the Mortgage Collaborative. We had Tom Gallucci on here recently, December 7th. He did a good job of that interview. I love Tom's energy. I enjoyed that interview. I just I like people who are a beat. Tom certainly was. Also, Community Mortgage Lenders of America. Michael Jones was on on September 21st. Also, Indicom, Linda Bomar, and uh, Nairan Barabwash. They had a great job on August 31st. Also, in Accelerate, Josh Finn was on on August 17th. He talked about what they're doing with the Accelerate program to really revolutionize how lenders interact and communicate with engaged buyers. Very, very exciting. As well as Ainsworth Advisors, as well as AI Assist, as well as Celebrity Home. Loans, Innovient, which Ted is the guest today, as well as Knowledge Coop, our friends, great learning management system, as well as Modex and Mobility RE. Both of these companies help you in the recruiting process. Check those out, as well as Velma, VendorSurf, and Vidyard. So good to have you with us. Always say a thank you to Alice, Alan, and Matt for their contributions each and every week. Let's get over to Rob Van Rapphorst of the MBA Mortgage Minute. Rob? <laughs> Hi, I'm Rob Van Rappers. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last Thursday, the CFPB finalized two rules amending the qualified mortgage provisions of Regulation Z. The first, a comprehensive revision to the general QM definition, establishes a QM standard based on loan price to replace the current 43% debt-to-income ratio limit. The other final rule creates a QM category based on a loan's payment history, also known as loan seasoning. Also last week, FHFA announced it would extend Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac origination flexibilities through January 31st, 2021. The origination flexibilities include temporary policies related to appraisals, employment verification, and power of attorney, which allow transactions to occur in a safer manner that avoids person-to-person contact. That's it for now. Thanks for joining me. Good job, Rob. Les Parker's here with the TM Spotlight in this week's Macro View of the Markets. Les? TM Spotlight Soundbites is brought to you by PowerSeller, making hedging easy. Vaccines are done. It seems that stocks are so wonderful. A miracle. So bonds aren't beautiful. Magical. Who gets the COVID-19 vaccine? Healthcare providers, the elderly, and the most vulnerable. They are those with a BMI above 39 and high blood pressure. So who will cut ahead in the line? How fast will a black market develop? Numerous loopholes exist that could be exploited. Or to use the language of Wall Street, be prone to arbitrage. Separately, will the pandemic-induced investment in technology boost productivity going forward? By 2025, over 60% of companies will adopt technologies like cloud computing, big data analytics, and AI. It's so logical. These views are my own. Want more? Go to tmspotlight.com. Good job, Les. Love that segment. I love the music. Check out tmspotlight.com. Subscribe to Les Parker's newsletter. If you put in the word power for power seller, you will get the paid version at no cost. Matt Graham's here, and Matt, looking up at your screen, love your screen. All right. I bet you want to know a little bit about uh, what's going on in the markets this week, last week. I do. So last week, we had sort of two competing forces set the tone. One was the stimulus negotiations sort of ongoing. And as a reminder, 
stimulus to whatever extent it is, you know, reasonably the same as the bills that have been floated around is bad for the bond market because it increases treasury issuance and that creates supply and demand issue for bonds and puts upward pressure on rates. It also decreases the odds that the Fed will make a friendly move in their upcoming meeting. The week began, however, with an old friend from 2016, Brexit. And uh, Brexit headlines have sort of been swirling a little bit. The deadline was this past weekend. And the headlines were doing a little bit of horse trading of which option was going to happen. Was it going to be a deal Brexit, no deal Brexit? And the no deal thing is good for bond markets because it increases uncertainty, causes European bond yields to fall and U.S. bond yields to fall low. And that is what we had at the beginning of last week. In the middle of the week, focus turned to treasury auctions and we hit the highest yields of the week just before the 10-year treasury auction on Wednesday. But after that, bonds started to catch their breath. So there was clearly a bit of trepidation heading into the treasury supply. And then after the 30-year auction on Thursday, things got even better. So what I am seeing there is the bond market sort of reinforcing this ceiling that we might associate with something around 1% in 10-year yield. It ended up being only 0.96 last week, but that's been the range where we've seen the ceiling bounces. So to see a couple strong bond auctions right around those levels, it reinforces the notion that traders want that to be the upper end of the range heading into whatever the next big decision point is. Later that same day, the House adjourned without any further stimulus prospects for that week and bonds like that as well. Stocks fell and there was a bit of that old-fashioned selling stocks, buying bonds movement, both on the 10th, but mostly the 11th on Friday. And MBS were underperforming, which was new for us. We haven't seen that in a while, but we're going to talk more about that in a second, too. Keep that in the back of your mind. It was a reinforcement of this sideways range at longer term, high yields and treasuries. Things looked like they might be maybe getting a little bit friendly on Friday, but now at the beginning of this week, we bounced back in the other direction a bit. And that had to do with more Brexit headlines. Let me recap the data for you last week real quick. There wasn't much. We had labor costs and productivity uneventful on Tuesday. MBA purchase index declined a little bit, but the refi index urged. Wholesale inventory is just a little bit better than expected. Crude oil inventories were just gigantic. That may yeah. have had a little bit of an inflation implication. I hesitate to draw too much connection between oil and bonds, but it can happen. Then Thursday had the biggest data from a street credit standpoint, and that was core CPI, but it was unchanged and as expected. Jobless claims rose and were more than 100,000 jobs worse than the previous week. So jobless claims picked up a little bit bond friendly there as well. The core producer price index year over year, 1.4 versus 1.5, so not as high as expected. Consumer sentiment picked up 81.4 versus 76.5. That was last week's data. Now for this week, breaking down the data real quick, we have import-export prices, New York Fed, and industrial production tomorrow. None of those are really major market movers. Same story for Wednesday with uh, market PMI, home builder sentiment, NEHB, and then a huge market mover in the Fed. And we'll loop back to that in a moment. Thursday, housing starts, Philly Fed, and jobless claims. By Thursday, though, what we're going to find is that the markets are starting to tune out for the holiday break. All eyes are really on the Fed this week. And what's at stake for the Fed is whether or not we're going to see a change to their weighted average maturity game plan for their bond buying portfolio. And all that means is that 
they would spend the exact same amount of money, but buy longer dated treasuries as opposed to shorter dated treasuries. And that would have an incrementally positive benefit for the bond market, especially the kind that we care about. As to whether or not the Fed does that, it's tough to say. I think the average market participant is expecting them probably to hold steady. But the fact that I'm so wishy-washy about that it speaks to the point that bonds are ready to react to that either way, because more than a few traders think they'll do it and more than a few think they won't. So whichever option they choose, we're going to very likely see a reaction in the logical direction. So if they pull the trigger, if they make the change, then we should gain some ground. And if they don't make the change, then we could find ourselves challenging that 1% ceiling in treasury yields again. Challenging ceilings in treasury yields hasn't been a huge issue for the mortgage market, but we're starting to see lender margins contract and we're starting to see MBS spreads. So that means that any negative movement in treasuries is increasingly likely or capable at least of translating to upward movement in mortgage rates. It's not quite a dire scenario yet, but it's something to keep on the radar in case we do see any significant weakness in the bond market. Several are writing in. So when does it really hit? What's the date range for things to really start slowing down for the holidays? And when does that come back out? Uh, after the financial crisis, then we've had like this decade of track record and especially the last five years where the December Fed meeting has taken on an outsized level of importance for anything that typically happens in December. So that is almost always around the dead center of the month and it's always on a Wednesday. So after that Wednesday, that's really when we start to see traders check out at least mentally or in terms of aggressive moves where they're trying to make something happen. It's more like housekeeping trades and that can still move markets to be sure. But if it is moving markets, then the caveat is it's not necessarily moving them in the same way it's going to in January. So in this case, we have the 16th of December, two days from now. 17th and 18th could still see the yeah. markets trade additional momentum to whatever the Fed created on Wednesday. But then the following week, things will start to get weird. They could get a liquid that we could see some big jumps in either direction. Mortgage lenders tend to price more conservatively and tend to not reprice as readily. And there'll be a flurry of month end, year end, quarter end trading the following week with Thursday 31st and Wednesday being the 30th. But the big sort of new year positions that could speak to momentum going forward won't show up until probably Tuesday or Wednesday, 5th or 6th of uh, January. Very interesting. A lot of information in the markets. You've got to have a screen like this that I'm looking at right now, folks. It is the mbslive.net screen, and you got to see it. Everything's up here. Nice thing that I keep going through. It's got the latest live news stream in here. So good job all the way around. Love this stuff. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate you being a part of the podcast, and you have a great week. You bet. Have a great rest of your week. You betcha. By the way, folks, when you're signing up, go to the website, mbslive.net live.net. And when you're there, use the LOL code when signing up and you'll get an extended free trial and without a credit card necessary. All right. Alice Alvey is here and we're so pleased. Alice is CMB Vice President of Education and Training for the Amazing Union Home Mortgage. She's got this week's legislative update and a health update. Alice <laughs> has COVID. What the heck? Yeah, you know, it just goes to show it can happen to anybody, no matter how careful you are, because we're definitely in the careful bunch. But yeah, we were talking before the show that our listeners could take lots of lessons from my husband on how careful you now are, you know, around the house to make sure everybody else in the household doesn't get sick. I was sharing with Dave that he made these wonderful construction sheets. They're on each room. Who has which room? There's blue tape on the floor. You have to announce yourself before you come into the kitchen so that other people can move out of the way. It's absolutely fascinating. 
<laughs> now at this new level, it's pretty fun. I mean, of course, he's looking out for me as I hang out in our bedroom. But <laughs> anyway. <laughs> You remain in our thoughts and prayers, praying that you get well quickly and that this is just uh, passes shortly. I'm very fortunate. I think I have a milder case, so no worries. Good. So glad to hear it. But you're <laughs> feeling well enough to give us a legislative update. Yeah, I was going to talk a little bit further about what Rob mentioned earlier in the program about the ATRQM final rule and what this really might mean to us every day. And we're still trying to get to the bottom if anybody's going to do anything. So if you caught what he was saying, we have a new QM category for seasoned loans. So if a loan has been on the lender's books for 36 months, so this is a portfolio loan, and perhaps as a lender you ended up with it by mistake, or you truly are a portfolio lender, you have community bank and credit union type portfolio products. And the borrower stays on the books for 36 months and makes those payments on time, then that's great. You now can consider yourself to have QM status, meaning you would limit your risks in the event of uh, foreclosure if the borrower sues you, declaring that you shouldn't have given them the loan in the first place, but they couldn't afford it because it's all our fault, right? So anyway, <laughs> there are a lot of dynamics to get to know in that law because as you can imagine, during a three-year period, a lot can go on with a borrower where maybe they make one short payment or they miss a couple of payments. So it does allow for up to a couple of 30-day lates. There's some nuances in there if the borrower, for example, took a, a pandemic uh, forbearance that would stop the clock and you'd have to restart it. So if you think about all those servicing nuances, there's a lot in there that the rule does address. For you servicers out there, you'll want to make sure you get yourself up on that because it is nice to get a loan that you didn't mean to keep on the books to get it to QM status. And so I would make sure everybody's comfortable with that. The next thing you may have heard him mention is that the 43 DTI is going away. To me, this is something that we haven't necessarily felt hard-coded in a lot of our underwriting decisions. It always feels like it's in the AUS. And so that's really what I'm interested in. You know, have the agencies kind of baked this in already, knowing that this final rule is going to be coming down? Or is this something that in 60 days, when these become formal, will we see any kind of announcements or changes in AUS now that the 43 DTI will not be a criteria for QM? So that means that Appendix Q goes away and we're just working with an APR calculation. So this is a big win, I think, for the industry and for lenders. And we'll watch closely and see what happens. The last thing that the final rule does is just make sure we don't have a problem in the beginning of January with expiring our QM safe harbor when we get the approve eligible from the automated underwriting system. So we have a permanent extension on that till we figure out how to get Fannie and Freddie out of conservatorship. The ATR QM, big changes, but maybe not a lot that we'll feel on the front end right away. So we'll keep watching. Good. Thanks so much, Alice. Appreciate it. A couple questions. One of our listeners wrote us and they remembered the Ask Alice program and and they go, is there any way that you all would plan to take that to market? If Alice says it, we believe it. Well, you know, that person should feel free to email me. Bill hasn't talked about that, but who knows, right? I guess it depends on the interest out there. It's such a good competitive advantage that I'm not sure you'd want to, but if you did, it turns you more into a tech company, make a lot of money. So good job. Hope you're feeling better soon. I'm glad to hear your case is a mild case, and we'll look forward to having you back. Say hi to Andy. I'm so impressed that he did all that he did. And setting up safe zones all the way around 
around the house, keeping everyone healthy. Alan Pollock would normally be here at this time. He is just sent me a text. He's had some things going on with his family. He's not able to join us, but he does send his greetings to everybody. He says, don't worry, I'll be back next week. A lot going on in the tech world. There's so many things happening. We are hearing about new systems coming out all the time. The series of podcasts we ran where we had four independent companies sharing with our listeners what their vision is, what they're doing to increase productivity. We'd love to hear your story. What productivity tools are you using in the underwriting area that is making a difference? And to what extent are they making a difference? We heard someone trying to tell me earlier that they're using some technology that have their underwriters back up and underwriting 10 loans a day. Now that is on the high side. It'd be amazing if they could do that. But then again, are they involved all the way through? So there's so many factors in it. So when you write me, share with me what you're experiencing at your company, but also give us a little details and if it's okay to share it. I'm happy to share your company name or we'll just share it anonymously but love to hear from you on that. So Alan will not be with us today. Therefore, that wraps up this week's weekly update on the mortgage industry. Next week, I'm excited to have on our Hot Topics segment, Nick Hedges, who is the CEO of Moment Feed. And very interesting company. By the way, we're talking about digital marketing. He's well able to talk on this topic, especially given the fact that he was the CEO of Velocify. And when that company was sold to Ellie Mae, he became Senior Vice President at Ellie Mae. So I'm really looking forward to the interview. I've talked to Nick about the content we're going to be covering. You're not going to want to miss this next Hot Topic. Also, So later today, I am going to be on a TV show. It's one based in Florida, and you're going to want to check this out. We'll put a link to it in our show notes so you'll be aware of it. Check it out there. It's the Who News show, and we'll have it in the show notes so you can go watch that show tonight. Very interesting. Who knew? Talking about housing finance and, in some cases, what the role of the financial planner plays in the process. Good to have you with us, everybody. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, as well as the Community Home Mortgage Lenders of America, as well as Indicom, Incelerate, Mobility RE, and Modex. Have a great week, folks, and look forward to talking to you next week. Been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.